0: The gospel lesson for this morning comes from John chapter 20. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. and yet have believed Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name good morning how are you guys it's good to see you you guys remember this from last week yeah I still have the same Easter eggs in here that I showed you guys on Easter Sunday. And if you would believe it, the purple one is still empty. It's still empty. Do you know what this reminds us of? The tomb is still empty today. Jesus is still alive. That's what we're focusing on today. The simple truth that Jesus's tomb is still empty. We celebrated last week, Jesus is alive. He defeated death. Today we're celebrating the fact that Jesus is still alive. And I suppose we could do this children's devotion every single Sunday from now on until Jesus comes back. I'll just keep bringing the bag up here and I'll say, guys, tomb's still empty. See you later. And that would probably be good enough. But see, the sad fact of the matter is that probably wouldn't be a terrible idea for children's devotions because we forget. We forget that the tomb is empty. We forget that Jesus is alive. Sometimes we have a really bad day and we get super, super sad. And it's not that we can't ever be sad again, but the fact that the tomb is empty changes our worst days. It even changes our best days. It helps keep things in perspective for us. The fact that Jesus has defeated death The fact that our sins are forgiven, we could die at any moment, but we're going to rise again to be with Jesus forever and ever. It's the best news in the world. And the best thing for us is to live our lives constantly reminding ourselves Jesus is alive. Good days? Jesus is alive. Bad days? Jesus is alive. Happy days? Jesus is alive. Sad days? Say it with me. Jesus is alive. Today we're going to focus our attention on the fact that the tomb is still empty. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help us to remember each and every day, no matter what's happening in our lives, whether we're happy or sad, whether things are going well or not so well, help us to remember this one amazing truth you are alive. You have paid for our sins with your death on the cross. You have defeated death forever with your resurrection. And you promise that you will raise us from the dead too. Help us to keep this wonderful truth in our mind every day for the rest of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's pray. O Alpha and Omega, you who is, who was, and who is to come. The first and the last, the living one, who was dead and is now alive forever and ever, use the truth of your resurrection to transform us. May this truth change everything about who we are and how we live day after day. In your name we pray. Amen. How do you view Judas? It might seem like a bit of a strange way to start this sermon. He's not mentioned anywhere in our text. And, and we've left him behind, so it seems. But it struck me this week, looking at this text. Judas wasn't in that room, was he? We know that. We, we know he he had died. He took his own life before this day. Jesus is obviously missing. The disciples are, are locked in that room afraid of Jewish leadership. But as they're in there, I I don't think that the fact that Judas was missing would have been lost on them. I think it probably only increased their self-identification as a failure. For us to stand 2,000 years away and wag our finger at Judas is easy. For us to look down on him and maybe even hate him for his role in betraying Jesus is logical, I guess. But the men locked in this room, they were with Judas for three years. He was a part of their group, he was one of the 12. They had a relationship with him. I got to think a part of them was just thinking, how did we miss this? How did we miss the warning signs? There had to have been warning signs why couldn't he talk to us? If he was willing to to betray Jesus, why couldn't he talk to us and and, and help us better understand what he was going through? What did we miss? Uh, Of course, Peter denying Jesus, just as Jesus said, would have been plenty for Peter to feel like a failure. And John himself got the closest to the cross, as far as we know. He's the one who Jesus Addressed when he said to his mother, Here is your son, and to John, Here is your mother. But as close as John was to the cross, he didn't do anything to stop it. That would have been plenty for him to feel a failure. The disciples abandoned Jesus. They did not help him in his hour of need. They all felt like failures, but I, I wonder if the fact that Judas missing only increased that feeling. This room is full of failures. And then add to that doubters. Remember last week we heard that it's not just Thomas who should have the name Doubting Thomas. It's all of them. These women who go to the tomb early on Easter Sunday morning, they're told by these angels, he's not here, he's risen, just as he said. They run off to tell the disciples, and we were told in Luke's Gospel last week, the words of the women seemed like nonsense to the disciples. They didn't believe it. A bunch of failures, a room full of doubters. And what does Jesus do when he shows up? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And I think that second peace be with you is the one that probably stuck the most. Luke tells us when he's telling this exact same story that when Jesus appeared, the people in that room, that room full of failures and doubters, they were terrified. They thought they were seeing a ghost. And so Jesus says it again Peace be with you. That's how Jesus deals with failures, and that's how he deals with doubters. Isn't that good news? That whole week, these disciples keep telling Thomas over and over and over again. That's one of my favorite details of this text. The, the word used in the gospel lesson is the other disciples told him. Sounds like they might have just told him once. But actually, it's, it's this continuous telling in the Greek. It's they kept telling him. How could they not keep telling him, Right? You think they just told Thomas, Thomas, we saw the Lord. And he says, "Now, I'll never believe it. And they stopped? No. They are telling him over and over and over again, Thomas, we put our fingers where the nails went. We put our hands into his side where the spear pierced him. We saw him. He's alive. And eventually it's like he just loses his cool with them. And in the most emphatic way possible, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hand and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. He doubles down. I am not going to believe it unless I see it and touch him for myself. And what does Jesus do with a foolish doubter like him? He gives him exactly what he asks for. Jesus shows up again the next week and again says, Peace be with you. And then goes up to Thomas and says, Okay, put your finger in the place where the nails were. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Last week, our our Old Testament lesson, helped us think about death a little bit, which I hope was helpful for you as we were about to see Jesus conquer death. Isaiah 25, remember, described death as a shroud that enfolds all peoples, a sheet that covers all nations. Remember the picture? It's death looming over every aspect of our lives every single day. The good days, the bad days, death looms over. The good experiences, the best of them, and the worst of them, death looms over. The best relationships you have in this life, the ones you're most thankful for, and the ones that cause you the most angst, death looms over all of them, every moment of every day. And this is why Jesus swallowing up death in victory is so life-changing. At least it should be, right? It should completely change our lives. This news that Jesus is not dead, but alive, that we have a living Savior, should completely transform us and change every aspect of our lives, every moment of every day. And yet I guarantee you, last week, there were kids who left here far more excited about the Easter egg hunt than about the truth that Jesus lives. And I guarantee you that many of you cannot remember what I talked about last Sunday. And I guarantee you that there are people in this room who had a more impactful gathering with family. And I'm sure it was a wonderful gathering with family. But who walked away from that gathering with family more impacted than they did by the truth that Jesus lives. It's sad. But it's true for all of us. If you are one of those kids who left church more excited about the Easter egg hunt, or maybe one day in the past you were one of those kids who left church more excited about the Easter egg hunt than about the fact that Jesus lives, well, then you're just like the rest of Jesus' disciples. And if you're one of those people who left church and, before the day was over, forgot what I talked about in that sermon— then you're just like those women who went to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning and totally forgot what Jesus said just a few days earlier. And if those family gatherings were more impactful to you than the fact that Jesus is alive, well, again, you're you're just like every one of Jesus' disciples. We're failures. We're failures failures in applying the resurrection truths to our life. And that's just one small aspect of our failure. We could go on and on about the ways that we, as individuals, are failures. And on top of that, some of us are doubters, maybe some more than others. We, we, we show with our actions that we doubt whether this is actually true. And that's why it's such good news today to see how Jesus deals with failures and doubters. Just like Jesus came to a room full of failures and doubters, not once but twice, he says to you and to me, peace be with you. And he doesn't just say it once, he says it three times. Peace be with you. And so, may Jesus' peace be with you as well. Jesus is alive. His death paid for your sins and mine, and he is very much alive today just as he was last week. And every day, Jesus lives. But I suppose there's this elephant in the room. These guys got to see him. Thomas got what he wanted, right? He got to put his finger in the nail marks and put his hand where the spear went. Is it not true that the gospel didn't really seem to impact them in a transformational way until Acts chapter (laughs) 5, when they had seen him, now they're willing to stand up to those who try to restrain the gospel. Now they're willing to get outside of the doors that were once locked. But it wasn't until they saw him, right? And so what are we to make of this? What does this mean for us who don't see? Why does Jesus say to Thomas, well, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How can Jesus say that? Well, it has to do with this amazing truth that our God in his infinite wisdom chose to use the word of eyewitnesses as his word to us, testifying to the truth that Jesus is alive. It's a powerful truth. These men and Matthias, who would join them later, and the Apostle Paul, who would join them after that, they saw Jesus alive. They had nothing to gain from lying. These men did not become rich, nor did they become powerful. Many of them suffered in ways that you and I cannot begin to wrap our minds around. Many of them were tortured and and, and killed in humiliating ways John spends his final days on a salt mine island because he was preaching the word of God, telling people, I saw Jesus alive. These guys had nothing to gain. The only thing that makes sense is that they actually saw the risen Christ. And it's this witness of a very much alive Jesus that has marched victorious over anyone and any force, anything that has tried to stop it, that has tried to restrain it, it has marched on for 2,000 years. And this risen, glorified Jesus, the one that we saw pictured in Revelation chapter one, he is working with his church, working through his church, holding it in his hands, standing among us, as this witness testimony is continually shared. And it will continue to march victoriously over anything that tries to restrain it. And what is it? Jesus lives. The witness of the risen Christ will continue to march victoriously over anyone, anything that tries to restrain it from now until Jesus returns. This is life changing stuff. On good days and bad, Jesus lives. When you experience the best that this life has to offer and the worst, Jesus lives. Best relationships, most challenging relationships, Jesus lives. No matter what, Jesus lives. This has an incredible impact on you. What did the disciples do when they saw Jesus, but Thomas hadn't? They kept talking about it, right? We've seen the Lord, and they didn't stop. You and I would do well to do the same. Nothing stops this message that Jesus is alive Many of you have people that you want to talk to about Jesus in your life. They might be in your own home. They might be people who have wandered away a little bit, who used to be in your home. They might be people that you're really close with. I encourage you, I I urge you, open your mouth. Speak. He is risen. That's all you need to say, right? Jesus died for you. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus lives for you now and forever. Death has been defeated. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Christ crucified for you. Christ is risen for you. Speak. What are you afraid of? (laughs) You have nothing to be afraid of, right? What did Jesus say in Revelation 1? Do not be afraid. A command. A command. Do not be afraid. I command you, do not be afraid. Why? Because we have a Savior who lives. Amen.